Hi, welcome to the Badass Breastfeeding Podcast. This is Diane, your lactation consultant. And I'm Abby, the Badass Breastfeeder. And today's episode is brought to you by Puracy. Puracy makes high-quality natural household products without all the BS. Bad stuff. And today's episode is also brought to you by Boob Butter. Boob Butter is the first lanolin, shea butter, and beeswax-free nipple cream that comes highly recommended by nursing mamas. Um, but we will hear more about those. But right now, uh, Diane has our review of the week. Yeah, I have kind of a cool review of the week this week. Um, this one you sent to me that she sent to you. And she sent us a review about a year and a half ago or so that we read on the air under Mama Two Sunshine. And in that review, she was telling us that she was just about a month into her journey into becoming an IBCLC. So this was an update to that, and I wanted to share that because we do have a lot of people that ask about becoming IBCLCs. Just wanted to share an update to one of the podcast reviews I wrote and you all read on the show last April. I was a few weeks into working towards my IBCLC. That next week I started as a WIC breastfeeding peer counselor. October of last year, I became a certified breastfeeding specialist. And this September, I passed audit and will be sitting for my IBCLC exam. Just wanted to share my progress. I appreciate the candid reminders of why my job is so important and how amazing our bodies are. And I just want to say congratulations to her because it can be a daunting journey to become an IBCLC. And I'm so glad that she's doing it and that she brought us up to date on how that's going for her and the path that she took. Because a lot of times people will ask, how do I become one? How do I do this? What do I start doing? And she kind of put it out there how she did it, got a job as a peer counselor, became a breastfeeding you know, support person, became a breastfeeding specialist, and you know, just kind of went on from there. So congratulations. Good luck on the exam. And being World Breastfeeding Month, this is a great time to highlight all those IBCLCs. So congratulations to you. Thank you for the update. And we love to hear from everybody. So send us a review, send us an email, let us know where you are in your journey of becoming a lactation consultant or in your breastfeeding journey overall. And we can make you review of the week. So you can put it on iTunes, which is great for the podcast. It really helps it a lot. Or you can send us an email at thebadassbreastfeedingpodcast at gmail.com. And this week we have a really cool episode for you. It's a really exciting very educational and really, really amazing interview that we're going to share with you today. Yep. I got a hold of the uh, founder of Native Breastfeeding Week, and we got to talk with her. And let's get to it. Yeah, let's get to it. Welcome to the show, Jaysha Lyons Echo Hawk. You are the uh, admin at Native uh, Breastfeeding Week. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. All right. We're so excited for you to be here today, and I cannot wait to dig into this conversation and, and learn more. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about Native Breastfeeding? Like, what, like when did it start? I heard about it last year after, after it had happened. Somebody was like, hey, do you know about this? And I was like, oh my God, no, I don't. Yeah. Um, yeah. But first, I'd like to introduce myself in my, um, in my native tongue. I'm going to speak in Pawnee, and then I'm going to um, also speak briefly in Seminole. Um, I'm an intertribal person in Oklahoma that kind of is more common. 
um, as a lot of the tribes were forcibly removed to this uh, to this territory. So Noah Akitaru Tatasati Tatachik Stadiku Jehojafka Jeshala and Zekohak. Uh, hello, everyone. My name is Jeshala and Zekohak, and I am Seminole, Pawnee, Creek, Omaha, and Iowa. Um, yeah, as far as the origin story of Native Breastfeeding Week, you weren't wrong in that you just heard about it last year. It actually what did um, start last year in 2019. Um, the So I am a fierce lactivist in my own right. I have been a breastfeeding uh, mother. That's how I identify my act of nursing um, since... Uh, my well, I have three children, uh, three biological children. We have four all together, and uh, three of them I was able to to breastfeed. Um, but the last two um, started back in 2015, and kind of didn't really wrap up. <laughs> like five years later, I'm still nursing um, the youngest one. She's uh, three today. So in my in my um, journey and experience, I would often try to seek out information, sources, imagery um, regarding indigenous or native people, breast or chest feeding. Um, a lot of the forums I would go to would be mostly white people or white presenting people. I didn't hear a lot of oral history or knowledge from uh, my immediate communities regarding breast and chest feeding. And that's not to say it was an exhaustive uh, search on my end, um, but of the immediate elders that I had connection with, a lot of them came up in the time of the formula movement, you know, it was that um, kind of either forced upon or, or the, I guess, the idea of keeping up with the Joneses back in the day. So, yeah, so I was kind of just Hmm, wondering where, where it all was, where is that capture? And then just in my nerdiness, um, trying to look up research and data, um, wanting to know just, you know, what is the state of, of breast and chest feeding in our native communities and um, identifying these various intertribal coalitions, indigenous coalitions across what is known as the U.S. now. And they have a, a lot of great information. I actually had an incident at my, my job site, which actually was at a tribal headquarters um, with my, my son who was born in 2015. Um, where I was discriminated against. So I really started looking into work policies and procedures and just like kind of sourcing out um, one that uh, was a really good model up in the Great Lakes region. Um, I believe, uh, I can't remember the if it's the Intertribal um, Breastfeeding Coalition up there in Wisconsin. Um, I'm not exactly sure of the correct name, but then I also looked at um, national uh, breastfeeding guidelines and just thought, why are our tribes exercising more sovereignty in the sense of, yeah, you could lay down so many policies or resolutions um, to support breast and chest feeding parents. And then being uh, sexually discriminated or harassed um, because I was a, a breastfeeding mother and subsequently left my position, um, yeah, that really kind of inspired me to to just continue push for visibility to to try to find my my um, community here in Oklahoma, and then just knowing the some of the brief statistics that we have here um, didn't reflect that there 
there are a lot, even though I felt like anecdotally, yeah, I feel like there are Native, Native people out here that are breast and chest feeding. So I, I try to work with my state's uh, coalition of breastfeeding advocates and um, just couldn't get a push in, in the timeliness um, for something to occur in Oklahoma with respect to Oklahoma Native uh, breast and chest feeders for last August. So I decided to use my contact up at a Native nonprofit, a national Native nonprofit, because they had a um, Native breastfeeding uh, campaign in 2018 that I was a part of. And I didn't know if they were going to pick it up again for 2019. So we collaborated briefly, and then it just kind of dropped off on there. And I'm not exactly sure what happened or what, you know, what was going on. But I had already, like, set the date for Native Breastfeeding Week. Um, we had set, like, kind of, like, a tentative idea of what we were going to do. And then since they dropped off, it was just me on my own, just like, uh, okay, this page is, is going forward. We've got graphics. I've got permission from this artist to use this image for free. <laughs> what uh, what do I do now? So I just reached into my, you know, uh, Rolodex, if you will, and looked at um, uh, people I knew in, like, the various parts of the U.S. as we've come to kind of call it, like the Northeast region, the Southeast region, Southwest, California coastal, uh, Northwest, here in the middle, uh, Oklahoma, and then Great Lakes area and Minnesota. So I had people I knew who were either breast or chest feeding, lactation providers, uh, lactation supporters, or um, breastfeeding uh, or lactation consultants or counselors. And just went with like, hey, can y'all pick a day to post your stories? Can you find people or can you yourself, you know, post your photos, say your tribes, maybe tell a little bit about your journey. And then in the meantime, I just filled in with like relevant posts, relevant data, relevant, relevant information. And so that happened and it took off in a way I didn't think it did. And then I believe it was really a viral post from this mother who's First Nations, from, as they're called in Canada. I think uh, the tribe she's from or her nation is Oji Cree from Muskrat Dam, had triplets um, mm. that she had been breastfeeding and wanted to submit a story. So, you know, put it up, posted it, and it got immediately got a really a, a lot of likes a lot of uh, views a lot of follows and then I feel like that's really when it exponentially took off and had turned into something that I couldn't have imagined so in this uh, I guess I will stop there since that was the origin of what you asked for. <laughs> no, that's okay. I could listen to you all day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like hanging on every word. This is very exciting. So you so it's really in its infancy. And we're totally. <laughs> and, and so, it, so people don't know. Um, it's August 9th, right? It starts August 9th. Is that right? This year, yeah. So the so we decided in the beginning that, and I say we, um, we is me and usually whoever I was talking to at the time. <laughs> so I, I believe at that time it was um, the National Native Organization, and we did not want to interfere with um, World Breastfeeding Week or Black Breastfeeding Week. And and, and, and believe me, I did research because um, I was like, as I told you before we started recording, you know, I'm not the start of, of a movement. I'm not the start of anything. I'm, I'm just carrying on in this way that, um, that I know of, of my ancestors who came before me. Um, 
those you know that are several generations back as well as those that are just a generation back and also i certainly understand my my role my place in in this time right now that i still am somebody who um just has limited experience and knowledge um although i do have valuable information and valuable knowledge so i did research within the us because i didn't even think beyond the borders to be honest that the, the colonial borders and it's not because I was small potatoes it just I don't know um, you just don't know what happens until you do it so um, as far as the United States breastfeeding coalition I was looking up where's the database for these intertribal breastfeeding coalitions because I'm finding them individually on social media but is there a catalog for those and where can I find them also, did they do something like this before? Is this something in the interwebs history, <laughs> cash yeah. data or whatever? You know, has this happened before? Because um, I don't want to act brand new and just like act like I columbus this. <laughs> and I made oh it, my God. you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, so, and right, why yeah. reinvent the wheel? If it's out there, you can expand on it, but you don't need to start over again. Right, yeah. It was all in support because, yeah, this isn't about anybody being in the front of anything for me and in any of these movements, really. Um, but, yeah, in Oklahoma, there wasn't anything for sure. And then as, you know, we looked nationally, there wasn't anything going on. So, <clears throat> yeah, just being really mindful of, of placement. And so I was just like, well, let's let's be every uh, the second. Let's start the second Sunday in August every year. So this year, it just happens to be that, you know, the day of August 9th. And so it'll be August 9th through the 15th for its second annual Native Breastfeeding Week. All right. Well, we got to do it up big this year because we got to just make it grow even bigger. <laughs> if you don't mind, I would like to back up a little bit, say several hundred years. So you have said a couple of times in our conversation, you've said the region now known as the Northwest. And you said Columbus this. So I want to just like, because I don't know how much people know. Because growing up in America as a white person going to public schools, there's a lot of things you're not told. So when you say this region now called the, North, the Northeast or Northwest, you're saying that because that wasn't its original name. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so... When Christopher Columbus and all of the, you know, white settlers and came here, this was not what we were told, just empty land. Or, you know, there were a few indigenous peoples that were like, hey, welcome. Oh, you know, come on in. It's good to see you. You know, so there was actually a lot of an entire continent filled of indigenous peoples who had named this country in different regions because they were living here. Am I getting this right so far? Somewhat. <laughs> <laughs> okay, tell me more. <laughs> Correct me. Um, so I guess just to kind of ground our, our conversation, and that's why I wanted to introduce myself in my, in my languages. Um, mm -hmm. I, I don't, so I, I say I'm intertribal because I am intertribal. I, I am a descendant of five tribes. In terms of this uh, certificate degree of Indian blood or the federal recognition um, that the United States has imposed on Native nations in the U.S. Um, I am enrolled Seminole Nation of Oklahoma. Um, but yeah, for so 
it's really hard, I think, for people who especially are non-Native, non-Indigenous of this particular land to see themselves in history as part of this hurtful truth, this hard truth of the fact that this land is and was back then indigenous land. Like we're all occupying somebody's space, even myself. I'm occupying somebody's indigenous land. Mm -hmm. Even though I'm native in Oklahoma, this wasn't originally my land. And even though my ancestors fought in treaties to take some land here in lieu of our original homelands and uh, the part like, the panhandle of Florida, some parts of Georgia, our areas known as the Southeast. Um, you know, that was an exchange uh, to have land here in Oklahoma, but there are already tribes here, already indigenous communities here. So yeah, the whole area here, um, and I say colonial borders because they are, <laughs> mm -hmm. US, Canada, Mexico, there um, are, are we are current, like we're still here. We are descendants of ancestors who did the things they needed to do to ensure that these prayers that they had on their future remain. And I'm one of those answered prayers. So yeah, all this land is indigenous land and everybody's occupying some indigenous space. There are many tribes who did, um, who did pass on, uh, because of genocide, because of disease, because of, of, of warfare, or those policies to, mm -hmm. uh, that were implemented um, to eradicate Native people because they wanted the land. And that's, that's something that, um, yeah, is missed, especially when you are a product of the U.S. public school system, mm -hmm. that our history books are not full of, of context I mean they're they're not the truth in the sense that they don't completely weave the histories it's like it's very it's treated like a paragraph or yeah. you might get a couple pages um on like and it's in terms of war and our allyship with uh the soldiers for U.S. or maybe we were allied with the British or maybe we were allied with the French and then that that's discussed and mm -hmm. it's even like slavery you know, the history of slavery is not taught in this sense. So people are very uh, guided in this way that makes it seem like you're anti-patriotic if you talk about the truth, if you, if you acknowledge, you know, how land theft happened, how, um, you know, how, even just treaties. And so I don't know who your, your, <laughs> your listeners are, but um, just, in the national conversation right now, there was a large Supreme Court ruling that came down um, concerning some of uh, reservation or Indian territory jurisdiction in Oklahoma, and that the Creek Nation never ceded that land. And like, we know that from the treaties, we know that from the fact that they didn't sign it over to the US. But the the current governor governments do not did not recognize that at the time and author or, and exceeded their jurisdiction into into Creek Nation's jurisdiction and this caused a criminal case to get appealed up to the Supreme Court arguing that the person that the state prosecuted they didn't do they did it in the wrong jurisdiction meaning it shouldn't have been a state uh, state case it should have been a federal case because the crime 
was committed on Indian land by a native person. And so, and I'm not saying this person's name because it, they're very, it was a very bad, bad crime. And this person mm -hmm. does not deserve the recognition they deserve. Although it was the, their case that initiated this, this major win in terms of tribal sovereignty and land jurisdiction. So that, yeah, got kicked up to the Supreme Court. And now there's this conversation of like treaties treaties and to me that should also be part of the education or the you know history classes um within the united states we should know like what is a treaty why a treaty what who are the treaties with you know that we have been occupying these spaces and this is how we got to occupy these spaces so when you push out that history yeah then then you do get um a lot of disinformation misinformation ignorance and then yeah you create institutions that will favor yeah white supremacy racism bigotry prejudice uh and then you can see those ramifications or consequences in systems like the healthcare system in research like breast and chest feeding um mm -hmm. rates you know uh i think uh, i have a cousin who um she's a researcher based in the what is called the seattle area and um and she's pawnee and athabascan um but she uh continually pushes for for us to be reflected in all all the data of anything you know that you're researching because there are several um, researchers on this like old school thought of, well, you're not statistically significant. Like you're so few of the population, like why would we research this? And so it's like, well, yeah, we need to research every, you know, everybody, but in terms of like these public health disparities, especially in this time of COVID-19, uh, you see the underlying conditions be like people who are diabetic or people who have um i don't know maybe asthma or something like that you know these pre-existing conditions and in some of our communities the a lot of the black and brown communities the black community and the native community for sure we have higher rates of diabetes and that's not because we're just prone to diabetes there's a lot of like systemic issues that that happens but you know if you're not taking the time to research why because we're deemed insignificant then yeah viral pandemic comes along and has the potential to once again you know trigger this this historical trauma of disease sweeping our communities so yeah that's that to me that's you know the bit that i can offer in kind of grounding our situation and understanding that yeah what is what is called this area you know that's what we call it and what is it's largely known as but that's not its original name. Well, thank you so much for sharing. And we're going to be right back with more after a word from our sponsors. This week's episode is brought to you by Boob Butter. Do your nipples feel like they're burning? Put the burnout with Boob Butter. Boob Butter is the first lanolin, shea butter, and beeswax-free nipple cream and comes highly recommended by nursing mamas. They can't get enough of it because it's not sticky or thick, and it's easy to apply, and most importantly, it hydrates and softens your nipples, making them breastfeeding, making breastfeeding more successful and less painful for you. It's safe for babies and doesn't need to be washed off before nursing. The special recipe uses kupwasu butter, 
as a vegan alternative to lanolin to deeply hydrate and leaves nipples feeling supple, soft, and intact. Now you can be CMO, Chief Milking Officer, without worrying about the painful cracks and dryness. Let boob butter help make bonding and connecting with your baby possible by keeping the unwanted soreness away. Head to boobandbaby.com, boobandbaby.com, and save 10% with code BADASS10. And this week's episode is also brought to you by Puracy. Puracy makes high-quality natural household products without all the BS, bad stuff. What do those smelly and highly toxic household cleaners and soaps have going for them? They work. And if you have ever tried to use other more natural products to clean your house and clothes, you know that effectiveness is the trade-off. Puracy has succeeded in creating plant-based, safe and effective products that actually outperform those chemical cleaners. They've harnessed the power of Himalayan pink salt, sustainable coconuts, pure olive oil and essential oils, and consult with doctors, chemists, and pediatricians to formulate products such as their natural stain remover, natural multi-surface cleaner, and gel hand sanitizer. They are 100% made in the USA, and Diane and I use them in our houses and love them. Millions of people have kicked their harsh household cleaners to the curb and become loyal customers of Puracy, leaving 25,000 and more five-star reviews in their tracks. Head to puracy.com forward slash badass for 10% off your purchase. That's puracy, P-U-R-A-C-Y dot com forward slash badass for 10% off of your purchase. And... You can head to badassbreastfeedingpodcast.com and you will find all of our episodes. And under this episode, you will find show notes. You'll find show notes um, about our sponsors and their promo codes and um, further links about things that are talked about in this episode. And you can find um, our breastfeeding resources and you will find information about scheduling your lactation consultation with diane and i would also like to mention that our uh podcast is now offer is also uh has uh transcripts so you can click the little cc on badassbreastfeedingpodcast.com on the particular episode that you're looking for and uh you will find transcripts um and so if you need that that's there for you so let's get back to um our interview um, about Native Breastfeeding Week. Looking at, uh, you know, looking at breastfeeding statistics and, you know, we hear about different groups. I mean, Native Indigenous peoples are not, like you were saying, they're not even represented. There's not even a number next to it. You know, there's Black, yeah. you know, Latino, there's, you know, White, obviously, and, and there's no, and I'm like, well, how do we even know? Like it's like it's not even acknowledged that these people still exist, that you still exist. Right. But, and I and saw this. <laughs> I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I, but I saw on, the, on the, your page, I just saw a post that you wrote that just struck me so much. You, you said uh, it was like a, it was a picture, a picture of a Native person breastfeeding. And you said, um, you said, well, this is beautiful, but Native people are contemporary. 
And I just thought, oh my gosh, it is so true. When you think of, of, of Native or Indigenous peoples, you think of the past. Right. And, and that's part of, um, if you were to go back and research even just images um, and that like historical context behind that, you know, that is to present this idea that we're no longer here. <laughs> that right, we are, right. yeah, we are people of black and white, of the past, of this um, rudimentary um, type of uh, way of life. Um, and that that way of life is over. And that's not the case. And that is, you know, the reason for um, Native Breastfeeding Week. Um, you know, I'm just going to quote quote myself because it was it resonated a lot with um, with the people on this uh, webinar that I was a part of with the United States Breastfeeding Coalition and I've quoted it um, I was quoted in um, a La Leche League or a blog I believe and just native breast and chest feeding is an act of defiance to the colonial systems and their imposed norms as well as the resilience of culture and body sovereignty and and really you know it's just to be like yeah, we're still here and we're still doing this. We've been doing this. And like, you can point your research and try to promote it because like now you're like, oh yeah, breastfeeding or chest feeding is good. It, you know, it mm -hmm. decreases um, diabetes or obesity and it, it increases, you know, so much with, you know, so much good. Um, but it's, you know, to hold space for, um, for our Native lactation providers and supporters and to lift, up the, uh, to lift up the visibility of Indigenous milk experiences while we are continually healing and, and still decolonizing our, our experiences, um, decolonizing in the sense of what we've been told what to do, even though uh, the oral knowledge, like even if we haven't heard it like firsthand, I am somebody who's firm believer in that that lives in our DNA and that, like we have that ancestral memory and we need to to call things back like they're not lost like in the ether they're there they're there they're they're just waiting to be to be sung again they're just waiting to be spoken into existence again and and then we can you know we can we can move as we need to move and so yeah that's why I, you know I, I mentioned that I'm not the start of anything. I'm, I just know from my particular area, my community, I've just wanted this uh, in this way because I am a parent and I want my little ones to also recognize that this is just how we do it. <laughs> this is just who we are. This is how we've always been and will continue to be. And um, making sure that other little ones uh, around me are also seeing the same thing. To have generations that know nothing else where I was a generation that, you know, it was kind of, you know, it was like, what? This is, this is what we do? I imagine that, you know, a, the, your culture that's so rich, you know, in tradition and, you know, the everything that's the genocide, the separating of families, the moving, the relocating, that has destroyed, you know, so much of the breastfeeding you know being able to pass down the breastfeeding knowledge and the traditions right yeah um in terms of just like you said like you don't you have to look at the history to get to where you are to assess like yeah the state of affairs as they are right now and um colonization um had, has done a number on native people but it definitely hasn't erased us um in terms of of this 
practice of the way we feed our children, yes, um, I was able to to find like little bits of data here and there. Um, <laughs> but you have to really be somebody who's like intentional, like really researching. That's not just like super accessible. Mm-hmm. But the reality is that, you know, a lot of this did get lost in the in the transitions. And that is a really light way of saying this, but in the transitions of forced removals um, and relocation to areas or territories that were not ours, losing people along the way, losing your history in terms mm-hmm. of elders or people who were not um, at a, like, physical capacity to make these <laughs> to be forced to make these um, marches uh, to to foreign areas um, and to be put placed in communities that were not ours or places that were deemed least desirable. And so then how do we, you know, how do we feed ourselves? How do we, where, where's our economy now? So, you know, many of my ancestors were starved, like physically, spiritually, and culturally, and, and, were either provided cancer-causing rations in terms of what is called today as uh, commodities or um, through food distribution programs on tribes. I, you know, they're better now, but in the, in the beginning, it was like a shock to our phys- physiology, if you will, in that, you know, where we were being fed flour and lard and beef, that wasn't traditional for a lot of our tribal communities, our tribal nations. And um, now today you get fry bread <laughs> and Indian tacos, and that's not necessarily tradish, it's ration food. Like we had to make do, so we did. So you can mix water with flour, you got lard, you fry it up, and it's bread. You know, it's something because I'm starving. And yeah, that does add to layers of, of trauma, you know, in the bloodline um, where, yeah, we we end up with um different health disparities and then a lack of investment in our particular communities um i think native people uh are very similar to asian americans and that we're like perceived as these as these homogenous groups like when i say native people don't understand a lot of people don't understand that there's i think five I'm going to say 500 plus native nations in the U S right now. And that's not even the extent of, of um, how many there were. Um, And then, so like with Asian Americans, it's not just like, like Asia is a constant, like a huge continent. Right. And so there's a lot of people under, under this title of Asian American, but just like us, their statistics and their data is often, just like ours and that they're very small percentage of the population in the u.s so sometimes some of their communities don't get the much needed research um and then also you know just as with any uh any marginalized group the lack of imagery of current or contemporary factual actual imagery imagery that we create that we narrate that we um you know cultivate and put out is uh is hardly seen i do think though there is um definitely been a big push in uh the native community in the uh in the win with getting the uh washington football team to Mm. finally you know they finally felt so moved i you know i don't think it was like um 
a, a, a like a, a you know it's the right thing to do for right. them I think more it was a business like oh yeah we've got to do something we're losing tons of dollars or whatever yeah but we're starting to reg- get called out regardless now. yeah 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 the, but the you know the team name which has been um uh, many activists have been calling for that removal forever and ever. There mm-hmm. have been many lawsuits against the the particular team, and I think against Dan Snyder to get the the name removed. And so finally, because that does add to this um, to this composite image of of us in this past, in this savage, you know, uh, savage past. And and so yeah, it's just. Um, in this week, we're able to to put forward our own images, to to put forward in our our success and our brilliance and our resilience, and and we can also call to our our barriers, our challenges too. Um, I don't know if you've been able to take a look at some of the other images, but you know, even in this time of the pandemic, um, I was uh, my my family and I we were at a uh, one of these uh, marches or rallies um, surrounding uh, the murder of George Floyd mm-hmm. and also calling attention to other um, Black people who have been murdered at the hands of the police in, in Oklahoma. And, uh, you know, we were masked up and my uh, youngest wanted to, to nurse. Um, so I did, as we do. And my husband took um, a photo of it. Uh, because you know it's timely and so that that, you know again a contemporary image of you know us as we are where we are in this current time of the pandemic of uh, racial um, uprisings and and there you go (laughs) you know yeah and it's such a you know this is something because I think social media is such a to use a cliche such a curse and a blessing but this is something (laughs) where (laughs) I think this is something where social media and people being exposed to this can really, um, you know, benefit right now. Would you say is the, our ability to get these images out? And you you took that photo, and now you can put that out to the world, and we can, you know, ex- get these into as many people's news feeds and eyeballs as much as possible. Yeah, um, yeah, I, 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 it's a double-edged sword for sure, um, and that's something as this page is growing that I've I've been trying to reconcile is, well, I don't necessarily want to block people, but we haven't had too much, like negativity or, um, what from what I can tell aren't like creepy traffic (laughs) Mm -hmm, but I don't know that I don't know everybody that comes to the page and likes the page and wants the view um and that's part of it too is you know when we say decolonize breast and chest feeding because the way that you know there had been um the social shaming of people especially people with breasts out in public feeding their kids without a cover (gasps) how dare you you know Mm -hmm. that's because you're sexualizing this act of feeding and it's you know a natural way to do it and this is you know why people feel like they aren't supported or why they want to hide or even maybe why they wouldn't want to do it because that's dirty you know and then it becomes depending on you know the 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 people, which a lot of times are women who identify as breastfeeders, you know, it becomes very 
uh, misogynistic. So, you know, we, I, I, we do get permission with the images that we share, especially of the individual stories, you know, people will <clears throat> inbox us and, and post. And I think some people end up posting in the comments and we'll, you know, we'll ask, you know, can we reshare in a story or can we repost your image, um, name and, and uh, tribal affiliation? Um, most often they are tribal uh, members or not tribal members. I mean, they're, they're people of indigenous or tribal descent. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> yeah, are, are like super on <laughs> to just put it all out there. Um, so to me, you know, if you, feel in control of your narrative and that's what how you want to share then you know we're we're going to do that we're going to uplift you and celebrate you and your journey knowing that this is revolutionary (laughs) this is an act that we need to see and so i don't know i don't know if we've made this clear during this conversation but breastfeeding rates within you know, like you said, we're using the words, when we use the word native and indigenous, it's such a general term that we're grouping together so many different cultures and peoples. But to say the word, the, the breastfeeding rates are low, are some of the lowest. Is that right? Yeah, we are like the second lowest for like all the above for, uh, um, sorry for exclusivity for duration um for initiation so from the like limited data yeah relative to other racial and ethnic groups um those those rates are much lower now i had an interesting um comment from somebody from black breastfeeding week one of the founders of black breastfeeding week um, <clears throat> also on, on the same uh, webinar for the United States Breastfeeding Coalition that was had back in June, <clears throat> mentioning that this comparison just isn't realistic uh, in terms of like, yes, this, this is true and that we do have um, some, some very uh, low rates in terms of the like in those terms Mm -hmm. but then sometimes this terminology or even the uh idea of what that means in um in our specific communities can seem like out of place or not culturally relevant and so for example like exclusive breastfeeding as far as like the united states is concerned and probably i guess the world is uh excuse me is you know that of one uh, lactating parent to one um, or to their you know birth or biological child, mm-hmm. and that's that like monogamous, if you will, <laughs> relationship. However, um, in several generations ago, we would have native lactating people who would not just nurse their children, but other children as well. Like that was a communal thing to do, milk sharing. And Mm -hmm. I think maybe the larger public might 
know that as wet nursing. Mm-hmm. And for me, like when I hear wet nursing because of the historical trauma attached to it, I don't really like that term. But no, milk right. sharing to me seems more culturally relevant, culturally specific, not just to natives, but to other communities. Mm-hmm. So, but speaking to my own, um, yeah. So, you know, I do support though, you know, in terms of just giving only milk to native babies or babies in general at you know the beginning of life and as long as possible and you know until they're eating table foods that's what I definitely can get behind how it happens um you know it'll vary so like part of our collective in the beginning um of last year was excuse me is a parent who did foster and who did do milk donations to feed their foster child, who is now their adopted child. And, uh, and their uh, Penobscot um, from up in the Northeast area. I always say this, the state, I don't, I don't know the state mm-hmm. <laughs> in turn for everybody who just understands geography that way, but uh, <laughs> Northeast part of the United States. <clears throat> and, um, and I felt that their, their journey was very, yeah, we need to celebrate that too, because not all lactation providers, you know, are are the parents, or, or not even the parents, are the ones who have actually birthed these children, right? Like, yeah. they can be, they can be anybody. So, so you're saying that breastfeeding doesn't always look the way that we, um, the way that we think about it maybe in the mainstream as like one parent breastfeeding a child that they gave birth to. It can look a bunch of different ways but that's not reflected in the statistics. Correct. Is that right? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and that's part of it too, and this week is to to provide a face to the data, um, the community that we've cultivated, or maybe not cultivated, but the idea of what we hope our Native Breastfeeding Week community is to put a face to the data and yeah, sharing the contributions, the importance, the adversity, and celebration of those native breast and chest feeding families, those um, lactation providers, supporters, uh, advocates, <laughs> uh, lactation consultants, um, you know, all the above, the diaspora. <clears throat> and um, yeah, just I want to offer this story real quick that um, hopefully we'll get to highlight during our, our second annual week. Um, and, and, and it's going to be amazing. Um, we're, we're forthcoming with our details. Um, I was able to, to get a, a strong commitment from a lot of people who um, were involved um, in my initial ask last year. But um, then we have some new ones that um, are OGs in the world of breastfeeding and chest feeding. Um, but so the story that was shared with me was, um, and, it, and it still just kind of chokes me up, so bear with me. Um, so this Dene or Navajo family, <clears throat> they're uh, participants of this indigenous breastfeeding counselor training that we, that we have in, 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 uh, in our circles, uh, if you will just like you could be a lactation counselor or a peer counselor, um, there is an indigenous breastfeeding counselor course now um, that uh, was offered to uh, indigenous communities, specifically uh, native communities in the US. And I think they've also been asked to come to, uh, to Canada. Um, but anyway, they, uh, they were sharing that 
one of their people or their it was uh, siblings had uh, participated in this training and they participated because uh, not that they they were parents or they ever thought about being parents they never lactated but their sibling uh, their sister had a baby and they lived away from their their community um, the, their Navajo community they were like living their life somewhere else working and just being who they were single people without dependents then when their sister got pregnant they were like wait a minute we've got to come together and figure out how to take care of this baby not because they thought the sister couldn't take care of it but because they it, it triggered this communal this family response that is very ancestral in so many ways so they left where they were living quit their jobs and relocated to be with their sister where they were in um, their uh, Navajo community when they did that they wanted to know all the things they could to support this sister in in all the ways they could so they I think they learned to become like doulas as well as these breastfeeding counselors because they were like, our baby is not going to be formula fed. This baby has to be fed, you know, human milk. And so they wanted to make sure that this sister, this, um, you know, new parent to be would have all the community supports and the financial supports to be able to be successful in their journey. And so they worked and you know found other jobs and didn't want this the sister to work they wanted the sister to just have their time with their baby in their journey in this early you know early time um i'm not sure where you know what how long ago that was and um what's become of this family um we're hoping to find out during the second annual week but you know that's, that's yeah amazing. that's part of the yeah the data um that you know you can look at the data and you don't know that story Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, that's so true. You can look at any, yeah, any the data, the any kind of things that you're reading about, whatever. You don't hear those kinds of things. And I don't think we understand as like mainstream society, we don't understand the culture that way. You know, we don't understand the traditions and the in that communal kind of you know, sense of of being in that in in native cultures. Yeah, and I mean, I can't say that every Native community is like that, sure. but it's just thinking about how you can indigenize or re-indigenize, you know, they're healing. This is what they're doing. They're healing. Mm -hmm. And it's not just an immediate, like, I'm healing, my sister's healing, my family's healing. Like, you're truly healing those ancestors that came before, as well as, you know, healing the future. You know, that little... Uh, baby that was yet to be <clears throat> is already getting set up in this good way and then just um yeah but looking at the like mainstream society and our policies for you know we don't have paid leave for when people become parents um you know if you happen to work at a company if you have a you know work yeah. you have a job and a job that like can support leave and that will pay um for you to be to be on leave um, during that time, uh, you know, that's, that's, you know, not systemic, that's very individual. So it's not at this higher level of, of, of policy and supporting, you know, every parent, not just those 
few who happen to have this really, you know, good employer maybe. Um, and yeah, you know, I, this is, you know, an individual act in terms of that family and it was, uh, the way that they felt called to do. Um, and you know, they didn't necessarily like work, uh, within their like tribal community be like, how can, you know, the tribe do this and do that. Um, although, you know, I don't know if that's something that they would think to do either, but, um, but yeah, it's just supporting, you know, culturally specific response to, to nursing, to feeding your child, to supporting the family, the native family. Um, but I do believe though at a larger level, uh, our, our country, you know, as it's called the U S could do a lot better, could do so much more. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Could do so much more. Um, and so how do we, how do we, how do we make that happen? I, I mean, you know, Native Breastfeeding Week is the start, is, I mean, just bringing sort of awareness to the fact that these are, like you said, people that are here now, not in the past, living now. And Native Breastfeeding Week is something that can absolutely do that. Right? Yeah, we, so I know like um, a lot of our collective are actively involved in either um, their tribal, well, I feel like all of us are involved in our tribal communities, but like specifically to um, health initiatives or to um, economic initiatives or um, yeah, uh, some of us are like of our our tribal communities and some are like more urban um, natives who aren't necessarily tied to their specific tribal community, but they live amongst um, an urban native population. So mm-hmm. we are people that um, that take note <laughs> and understand that a lot of times we're the only one in those spaces of policy wonks or researchers or um, even amongst the like lactation professional community. Um, some of us are the few and far between. Like in terms of uh, IBCLCs, I think there's only 12, I think I was told there's only 12 that are native of like the what thousands that are out there. <laughs> Wait a minute, still- you mean the number 12, one, two, 12? Yes. Oh my God. Yeah, right? It's like so, and you know, and, and so yeah, the, as far as uh, those governing bodies, why is that? You know, what are you going to yeah. do to, um, <clears throat> to, you know, to assess that? Is that something that you're, you know, you're concerned about? I think it is concerning, especially in terms of just, yeah, health inequity um, mm-hmm. in general. And so, yeah, we, a lot of us are already, like I said, lactivists. We're, we're not just, you know, people who lactate or have lactated or support lactation, but we also are like fierce advocates um, for, uh, for everyone to have <clears throat> this right, right? Because like, um, sometimes more often <clears throat> it seems like to be able to, to, to nurse your kid or to chest feed your kid is a privilege because there mm-hmm. are the lack of community supports, the social supports, the, the policy supports the environmental supports it. So I'll go back to the, to the person who uh, breastfed their triplets. Um, I asked them cause they would continue to post their, send, uh, send their pictures and just say, it's been, you know, six months, it's been nine months, it's been a year. 
um, they ended up nursing their triplets for, I think they said 18 months. And, um, and it wasn't that they just, you know, that they just did it like they did do that. However, they were able to be on leave from their mm-hmm. job and they had a lot of support to do that, right? It's not just like, you have triplets, you can do it, you know? I right. can imagine, especially um, especially as the world has shifted now, where we're kind of having to <laughs> sit with ourselves. But before, you know, when it was so much faster, maybe, I don't know. Sometimes it feels like it's faster now. I can't believe it's almost August. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, but, um, but yeah, like we're making sure to not romanticize this act either that this is you know something you do or you get you know pretty pictures taken and like don't get me wrong the the images especially the curated ones are very beautiful like the ones with the photographers Mm -hmm. they're very very beautiful but we want to be real too that like yeah not all of us can do this because we still have many of us that live in this generational poverty because of of yeah what's happened to our communities and that can't go like unspoken even in this um in this presentation even in this uh in presentation I mean by the the presentation of the images of native people on our on our page Mm -hmm. um yeah we have to we have to continue to call out those systems and to continue to acknowledge acknowledge um mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, that's fantastic. Um, I, I mean, I can't thank you enough for all of this information. Is there, I know we talked, we've kind of jumped around on different topics and um, this topic is really new to me as far as Native Breastfeeding Week goes. Is there anything that we didn't talk about that you think is important to, to, to acknowledge as we go into um, Native Breastfeeding Week? Well, <clears throat> I mean, I'm sure there's a ton of things. <laughs> you, know? Uh, you know, I I just want to say, I guess in terms of the the like scarce research that's out there, is that if we support American Indian Alaskan Native mothers, because this is what the research is based on, um, if we support them. Um, in their breast and chest feeding journeys at six months, they're more likely to nurse for a year. And I think, I feel like anecdotally, if they hit a year, then they just continue to go. And so like this idea of extended breastfeeding is, is like the, is like the mainstream or even the colonizer term when you think of breastfeeding past the age of one. Mm-hmm. But for us, that wasn't, that was a cultural norm. Like your, your children stop when they stop mm-hmm. um, in the time, in the times that we lived in. Um, so just supporting, you know, this, uh, these food practices, these feeding practices, this traditional parenting means that we succeed, you succeed, our, our community succeed. That's less people, you know, in the public health system, that's less people, especially at this time, you know, that um, will be facing adverse health implications and could potentially, you know, be successful people with maybe um, they're the inventors of, of other, uh, uh, oh gosh, what are they looking for right now? Um, I can't even think what what we're looking for right now in terms of how to stop COVID-19. 
Oh. Uh, <laughs> antibodies? A yeah, cure? Like, yeah, like an immunization. I'm like, what is Oh, a yeah, vaccine, right? like a vaccine. Vaccine, there we yeah. go. <laughs> yes, like to me, yeah, right? There's so much more potential realized, like when we do support, like, our, our most marginalized communities. You never know who you're going to get to come from that community that will be for the greater good of like humankind. Um, and, you know, we have to do something about donor milk in terms of making it more accessible um, because people see formula supplementation as like, yeah, the substitute um, yeah. in lieu of, of breast or chest milk. Um, there's formula but you know <clears throat> that's also not environmentally conscious and I know that's something in terms of well breastfeeding week, uh, week that is uh, you know that's happening this year is learning about the environmental effects um, and so yeah and I guess anything else I could add is that you know we're gonna have um, programming coming up for our second annual year that will include um, support circles that will include um, sunrise elder honorings for those um, that came before. Um, we will have a t-shirt. <laughs> oh, that will awesome. Be, yeah, coming out. Um, so that will um, act as a fundraiser to support our efforts as we have seen and, and heard that, yeah, our, our efforts need to be, um, need to be funded in the way that we're able to hold space um yeah in this pivotal way <laughs> where we're able to develop the database um for these connections of indigenous um breast and chest feeders and contribute in part to the larger um the larger conversation happening at the world level in terms of native breast and chest feeding because we we struck a chord across colonial borders so we want to definitely make sure that we are able to have the capacity that we need to yeah to continue to find ways to uplift and support and create access um fight for access for our native breast and chest feeders well that's fantastic and i can't thank you enough for sharing that with us and Native Breastfeeding Week 2020 is August 9th through August 15th. Yes. And you can follow uh, Native Breastfeeding Week on Instagram at Native Breastfeeding Week. Right? That's what it is. Yeah. Yes. Native Breastfeeding Week on Instagram. And it's also Native Breastfeeding Week on Facebook. And um, so I'll be directing lots of traffic over there, but follow along because you can see all of these, you know, the beautiful images and all of the, you know, the information that, um, you know, that needs to get out there. And I'm just so excited that you took this time to, to share this with us. And I really, really appreciate you taking time out of the day of your birthing day. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's perfect because <clears throat> she may be, she may be the last one. And so I'm just, yeah, <laughs> relishing yeah. in this. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. Well, um, happy Native Breastfeeding Week. And um, thank you for all of the things that you do. Oh, thank you. And yeah, thanks for, thanks for the invite. <laughs>